You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bridget and Scott, it is August 8th. We're about five weeks away from, five and a half weeks away from, from preseason hockey. So it's really, hopefully the NFL can kind of distract us in the meantime and, and before we know it. Uh, preseason will be here and, and hockey season will be here. In the meantime, media had a chance to speak with Jeremy Swayman uh, earlier today. And if there was anywhere you guys wanted to jump off from from that interview, and first of all, I mean, obviously, how are you guys? It's been a, a little bit since we spoke. Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, getting, getting through the summer. Got Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon coming up in a couple of weeks. Been doing some planning for that. Uh, yeah, my sister's wedding next month. Been planning for that. Oh wow! I'm I'm officiating it, which is going to be, uh, yeah, that's like a once in a lifetime experience. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Just trying, just hoping I don't screw it up. Well, yeah. at least you won't be upstaged by Fred Marchand and Patrice Bergeron kissing. That's true. As as far as I know, they're not invited, so <laughs> don't have to worry about them. You might want to invite them. Honestly, they seem like a good time. Yeah, <laughs> they so. For those who, I think most people probably get the reference, but Charlie McAvoy got married this past weekend. And uh, the most viral video to come out of it was Marchand and Bergeron dancing together and uh, Marchand sneaking a kiss in during it. So, um, yeah, it certainly seemed like they were having a good time. That was actually one of the things Swayman talked about when we uh, talked to him today. Said they didn't miss a beat, you know, amazed by their chemistry. Um but, you know, he also said, like, that being at that wedding, it was kind of a like a reminder of what they built last year. And, you know, almost kind of sad because there's people who are there that aren't going to be on the team this coming season, obviously led by Bergeron, but others who who were there and, you know, are no longer on the roster. So, yeah, like, um, I mean, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno were both there. Um, Clifton was there. They They even had. I believe Krug was there and uh, Tuka. So some people that have retired, some people that were traded um, this off season or previously. And yeah, he was, it, it was sad because I feel like he's such an optimistic person, Swayman. And he would start like most of his answers, like we're kind of starting sad. And then he had to like add something happy at the end of it. So even with the contract stuff, he wasn't happy with how, 
the arbitration, like he didn't want to go to arbitration. He said he was, I mean, he was pretty candid about that part. And then he was like, but I learned this or that along the way. And then when it came to the wedding, it was also a bittersweet situation. I think, and he, even when he was talking about his training that he's been doing in the off season, he said that it's all driven by not wanting to have that game seven feeling. It's still, it's still very real and fresh uh, for a lot of these guys that they're having these really happy moments, but they're kind of still thinking like what could have been if we just did things right last year. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, he, he said he, he learned a lot from the arbitration process and, you know, thanked his agents and like the NHLPA lawyers, you know, obviously the people who helped him kind of fight his case and make, make his argument. Um, and he also said that uh, he never wants to go through it again and he wouldn't want any of his teammates or friends to go through it. And, you know, he said he, he didn't take it personally and he doesn't, you know, he's still happy to be a Bruin and he isn't worried about that relationship going forward. Like he prefaced it all with that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we've, we talked about before when we talked about, you know, no one wants to go to arbitration because it, it is uncomfortable. You go into a hearing and the team has to sit there and argue why you're not worth the money you think you're worth. And you have to sit there and listen to it. And it's like, no one likes that. Like the team doesn't like doing that because they know it's not going to be well received. And players don't like hearing that. Like a lot of players, that's why they just leave negotiations to their agents and they don't actually want to be in the room because like, they don't want to hear, you know, what the team's saying for why they don't deserve that money or whatever. And usually in a regular negotiation, the agent can serve as that buffer where like, okay, they're going to hear something from the team, but then they're not going to report every single word back to the player. Cause they're not going to, they don't want them getting caught up in all of it. But when you go to arbitration, there's really no choice. Like you, you're there and you're going to hear it. And I think he hated the uncertainty of it because uh, he kept saying like he was hearing different things and he didn't know what was true and what was right. And then he also kept saying the, the phrase um, is just going day by day, which kind of made me think he didn't necessarily know if they were going to come to an agreement in the first place. So like, cause they were pretty far apart in their numbers. The Bruins offered 2 million and he was asking for 4.8. So that those are, you know, especially with the cap situation the Bruins have, that that was a pretty big difference um for them to be starting at and they they end up getting right around 3.5 for Swayman but he I think the uncertainty bothered him because he likes all of his teammates like we just stated and he didn't want to think about not being a Bruin so he said he's happy but we talked about this last episode too it's only a one-year deal and because it's only a one-year deal he's still a restricted free agent so there's a chance if they don't extend him during the season he could end up in arbitration again which he said he absolutely doesn't want to do and from that, I get that if if that happens again, then you know he that might actually burn the bridge, and that would be really bad uh, for the relationship with the Bruins if they were to do that. So, kind of makes me feel like there must be some sort of um, agreement, maybe between him and Sweeney, that they'd want to get a new contract before the end of the season, before restricted free agency hits again. Yeah, and unless something severely goes wrong for Swayman this year. I think that the Bruins will probably they'll just they'll choose him over over Allmark long term. I would imagine. I just feel like if if push came to shove and you had to stick with one guy going forward, if all things considered equal, if both guys have another really strong year, it just comes down to affordability and and youth. And I mean, obviously, Swimming would would get an increase in pay, but I just 
you know, I, I think it's 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 an interesting situation that they find themselves in because what's going against Swayman in the arbitration hearing is just what, from an intangible perspective is like it's tough to demand four point eight million or or hope for that when when you, there's a Vesna Trophy winning goalie on the roster and he's not you. Um, but at the same time, what's going for Swayman is his his statistics are are excellent, and also going into this coming season the Bruins are going to need their goaltending to be maybe not as, as strong as it was last year. Cause that's just such a high bar to, to, to achieve again. But I think we all kind of agree that the Bruins might have trouble scoring this year compared to, well, especially compared to last year, but just in general, and they're gonna have to rely on goaltending and defense more so this year than I think in the uh, following years when, when they'll have more cap space to potentially go out and, and build a, a more offensive roster than a new, right now but but yeah both both got both parties landed where they landed and honestly I I think it's probably right around where it should be yeah and Scott you actually asked the question to Swayman about the the goalie duo right I I heard your voice in there um get in there to to ask about the Allmark the situation with Allmark yeah I asked him you know like how do you because he for he was asked one question about it and he was like yeah, like nothing's going to split us up. And then I followed up and asked basically like, how do you balance sort of that friendship and great relationship you guys obviously have with also like a personal desire to want to be a number one goalie, want more playing time, whatever it might be. And he basically said like him and Allmark, the fact that they both have that desire is like what allows it to work because they do just keep constantly pushing each other. And they know that if either one of them slips up or gets comfortable or starts struggling, the other one's going to run with the job and start playing more games. And like, we, we even saw that in, in practice last year, like it, things actually played out that way early in the season where for a little swimming got off to a little bit of a slower start and Allmark would get, you know, two games in a row or three out of four or whatever. And, and then swimming obviously had an injury situation too. And that, factored in but yeah when swimming got back and got up to speed it became more of a true rotation because they were both pushing each other and it they were both at such a high level that you didn't have to worry about oh dude should we ride the hot hand it's like well they're both the hot hand so it doesn't really matter um except for in the playoffs yeah which you know i i'm gonna be curious like when we whenever we get to talk to montgomery you know, which might not be until like training camp. Well, he but, might you know, actually be doing Jimmy Fun stuff. I know he we might. Have, he, he did he, last year. Yeah, we. I remember I was writing something about um, what he said at the Jimmy Fun because it, it, obviously it's about raising money. But during the conversation, real questions get asked, and um, I remember he was talking about lifestyle last year. So I mean, he does answer real questions that our hosts have. So. Yeah. So I'll be curious though, like if there's any sort of organizational shift in terms of being more open to a rotation in the playoffs. Um, because like, I know last year, every time Montgomery was asked, he said like, yeah, we're open to it, but I don't think we're going to do it. And then sure enough, they didn't. And whether they would have in the second, third round going forward, we'll never know. Cause they didn't get there. But I, I am curious, like if there's any sort of shift where, they might be more open to it kind of from the start this year 
Um, because it's one of those things, like I've talked to a few people just, you know, around the hockey world in general. And it's like, and I think even Bruce Cassidy said it um, when he was on with Gresham Fourier um, or no, he was on the Greg Hill show uh, when he brought the cup back to Massachusetts and said something along the lines of like, at some point someone is going to have a true goalie rotation in the playoffs. And it's like, everyone's sort of just waiting to see who the first one who is going to be, who tries it and succeeds and wins. But it's like that. I feel like that attitude is really prevalent where like a bunch of people will say, yeah, it's going to happen at some point, but then no one really seems to want to be the first one to really try it. So, you know, I thought last year it could have and should have been the Bruins. I made that case on here on Sunday skate that I thought they should have just stuck with the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, like if there's going to be any sort of shift in philosophy and, and like more openness to it. Yeah. I mean, it could have saved the series. <laughs> it's what like, we mentioned, like when you lose in game seven, obviously there's so many moments you can look back on, but, and there were a lot of coaching mistakes and that, that was probably one of them. Um, you don't want to, I know swim played for like what, two minutes in one of the other games, but essentially he was going in game seven after after not as playing uh you know a, a lot of time before that so uh he was put in a tough situation and especially with with his answer to you today scott where he was saying like they pushed each other and they'd be mad at each other if they both weren't trying to steal the job like that's just kind of how their relationship works and they understand um i i feel like when you go at it like that the whole season you and then you go away from it that's going to change your like psychology because you're expecting that reward for you know maybe doing the right things or or, you know it's your time to get in there and then you don't then you change up something you did the whole season it kind of throws things off and a lot of the the issues that came in the playoffs kind of seemed like mental mistakes that maybe were set off by decisions that coaches made yeah, I mean, I'm still not convinced that it was a lack of goalie splitting, strategic goalie splitting in the playoffs that did the Bruins in. I feel like I think what yeah. well, Omark was potentially dealing with an injury and wasn't like we don't know what percent he was at. So like that adds into the fact that Swayman may have been your better option, but you're too afraid to go to the rotation. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would have gone to Swayman earlier than they did. All I'm saying is that I feel like Scott, you, you kind of alluded to the fact that you you recommended they go with the with the the more traditional split that they did in the regular season, and I still think that 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 would have presented its own challenges um, if if they were dead set on just splitting without really considering if somebody's hot or somebody's not feeling it. Like I feel like if it was every other game, that brings challenges. What I what I thought they should have done is, and this is what I recommended too, and it was kind of similar to what you were saying, but like you, you go, you go with the guy who's playing the best. And if he falters, you don't give him too much time to, to, you just, you just have to go to the other guy. I mean, like Allmark played well up until game five in that series. And he had that awful turnover in game five. And I think that's sometimes it's an un- unforgivable mistake and it shows uh, signs of mental fatigue or physical fatigue or whatever, but I would have gone to swim in game six. So yeah, I think they went to him too late, but it's, not, but it can't just be, it can't just be, in my opinion, I mean, look at Vegas, like Vegas went through five goalies, but it wasn't a, a goalie split. It was 
based on necessity and who is playing well and whatnot. So I just think you have to have a feel for it. If you think a guy is struggling, he's not going to be the best chance to win, go with the other guy. But it, it shouldn't be this guy's going to play no matter what every game, and it shouldn't be we're going to split these guys no matter what. Like I think you just need to have a feel for it. And I just feel like the Bruins failed having a feel for that tandem going into game six against Florida. And this is not to just rehash last spring, but while we're on this topic of it, I just feel like it's not a black and white answer. Yeah. But like also if Allmark was a little bit banged up, it could have been nice to get him rest. You know, like they could have rotated in order to get rest, which obviously in the playoffs becomes more complicated with the rest versus riding someone. And um, also like the workload during the regular season was, less for him than it was in the playoffs. So adding an extra workload could mess with, you know, health or recovery and things like that. So there was a lot that, that goes into it. And I wonder what they'll, they'll do this season, assuming they make the playoffs and uh, we're getting way ahead of ourselves now, but um, in terms of talking about that goalie rotation, um, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be seeing more goalie hugs this year. Cause he sounded like that's his, like his swim's favorite part of, <laughs> of uh, winning is the goalie hug. So. Yeah, we as we, I think Brian said on the last podcast, we might not be seeing sixty five of them though. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all it's bringing bringing it full circle though back to Swayman and his contract, like how the rotation you know works out this year is obviously going to have a huge effect on what Swayman's next contract looks like because he ends up with only a one year deal this time around. And yeah, Bridget, you mentioned like he could be a restricted free agent again, so he still doesn't have, you know, a ton of leverage in terms of obviously he can't go to the open market, but you know, if it's like, if it's a true split, then it's, they're sort of in the same situation where it's like, I'm sure Swayman is going to want to make the case that he can be a number one and the Bruins can kind of counter and be like, well, but you haven't actually really had to do that yet. You've just split time. And from the Bruins perspective, it's like, they, if it's, you know, if Simon's due for another raise next year, then yeah, like it does kind of force your hand even more to potentially move one of them. And we assume Almark would be the one who's more likely to get traded because he is older. And it's like, you know, I think Swayman can be a number one. Like I, I feel like he's really good in all the underlying metrics and regular metrics. They're all there. But if you're the Bruins, it's like there could in theory, like be a question about workload if he's you know if he's still only splitting time or how does he handle being a starter in the playoffs when he you know so far it his playoff experience has been coming in you know almost in like emergency situations and replacing Ulmark after struggles whether that was last year you know 2022 already being down two games to none or this past year where it's you know, the series is slipping away and he gets thrown in in the game seven. And it's like, he still hasn't actually started a series. So that's also still kind of like an experience that he hasn't had that. I think I would think the Bruins would want to see before, you know, they really go all in on like a, if we're talking like a long-term contract and committing to him as the number one going forward and, you know, moving on from Allmark. And they and he mentioned when when asked about Bergeron because obviously you know he we haven't heard what he was going to say about that yet. So he was asked about Bergeron and and like 
you know, the, the next group of leaders. And he, like, he put himself in the category and he said, we're, we're going to be in the organization for a long time and we're going to try to keep his legacy going. But like that kind of, to me, showed me he wants to get a long-term deal done. Um, Cause he was considering himself in that crew. He called, you know, like the young core that's coming up. And he said, we, so I, I think he really wants to stay here. Um, he's mentioned before how he likes it here. Obviously that's what most people say, but um, I think he genuinely means that. And uh, wants to be part of, you know, the group of McAvoy and, you know, even Pasternak, even though he's a little bit older and all the other guys that they've kind of recently lo- locked up for a long time. Uh, who wants to be part of that? So this reminds me of a of a, of a question that I, I wanted to ask you guys. And we've talked a lot about, you know, the Bruins going into next year. And I just feel like Swayman and the defense are, are a good place to, to talk about right now because we've talked a lot about the forwards. And and on NHL.com, and, and now that we're getting closer to – to, to training camp and, and all these things, you start to see them, uh, the NHL doing their, their 32 teams and 30 day previews. And, and you're starting to see people start to illustrate what these rosters are going to look like and what, what to expect from them. And I actually haven't heard one quote unquote NHL analyst or expert predict the Bruins to miss the playoffs this year. And I'm sure that there are people out there, but if you, if you, if you were to, watch TSN or Sportsnet or, or anybody on NHL, like anybody who whose job it is, is to, to analyze the league. Everybody's got the Bruins as like, yeah, they're not going to be as good as last year, but guess what? That's an impossible bar to set them to because nobody in NHL history had the season they had last year. So if you look at the Bruins compared to the landscape of the NHL, how do they stack up? And, and a lot of people still have the Bruins expected to make the playoffs. It, it's not going to be an easy journey, but the Bruins defense and goaltending is yes. Bridget. Do you remember last year when people picked them not to make the playoffs? <laughs> yes. In particular, some New York writers that picked them to not even make the playoffs. Yeah, that was clearly, I mean, we laughed at that at the time, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah. And and the, and the roster that they that they had in in the springtime was a lot different than the roster they had to start the season with. But but yeah, people. To your point, people thought the Bruins were gonna miss the playoffs. Why? Because Martian and McAvoy were expected to miss the first half of the season, and thought that that would be too much for the Bruins to overcome. That they were getting older. Blah blah blah. And you know what? By all accounts, the Bruins just flipped the entire script on their head. Those players came back earlier than anticipated. The players who struggled the year before bounced back. Uh, age was not a problem, but in any event, people are the Bruins defensive goaltending is still far better than a lot of the teams who have better offense than Boston going into this year, at least on paper. And it just reminds you of the value of goaltending and defense and that the Bruins just need to find ways to score just enough. But anyway, I I just want to to bring this up to you guys because it's interesting. It seems so doom and gloom for us. And we've talked about the Bruins are still good. But just how important is it that the Bruins' defense and goaltending, it really is head and shoulders above, I would say, 95% of the league this year. Yeah, and and part of, you know, people predicting them to still make the playoffs is, like, how much of a buffer there is for them to lose and slide back and still make it. Last year, they could have been 43 points worse 
and they would have made the playoffs. Like you literally, you could have just flipped 21 of their wins, a third of their wins to losses, and they still would have made the playoffs. Like it's, it's actually insane. That, so, that like doesn't even, I didn't even look at it. Like I, I didn't check into that, but that's insane. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I think we all expect a pretty big, like, even if they ran the same team back, I'd be like, there's going to be a step back because you just, you don't win 65 games. Like that's just not going to happen again. So add in everything they lost. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be a fairly significant step back in terms of wins, losses, and points but they can afford a pretty big one and still be in the top eight. And, and I think they should be, you know, and you're right. It gets the defense and goaltending that's at the top of the list. Generally every year, if you look at the teams that give up the fewest goals, for the most part, they're playoff teams. Like very rarely is there a non-playoff team that ranks in like the top three to five in goals against. So the Bruins led the league last year by comfortable margin and goals against. Now, obviously, those losses affect them there as well, right? Like, they're not going to have as much possession. They're not going to be pinning teams back as much. But that deep, the anchor of that, you know, Allmark, Swayman, a really good decor that is pretty much back, you know, like, yeah, you subtract Orlov, but he wasn't there until late in the season. You subtract Clifton, but Shattenkirk's a perfectly fine replacement and possibly even a better fit next to Forbert because of his puck moving. So, like, that should still be there. Yeah, losing Bergeron's huge. We know the impact he makes defensively. But they still have defensively responsible forwards. So they should be able to do a good job preventing teams from scoring. And maybe it's not quite to the level of last year. Maybe Allmark isn't winning the Triple Crown again but it should still be at a fairly high level. And if they're a top five to seven defense in the NHL, there's a really good chance they're going to be a playoff team. And even if they're fairly low scoring, like you, you win low scoring games and you get in that way. So, um, you know, and like, they're not going to be one of the lowest scoring teams because they have David Pasternak. So assuming he stays healthy, if Brad Marsh and, you know, looks a little more like Brad Marchand of the past and not Brad Marchand recovering from double hip surgery, then your, your offense isn't going to be one of the worst in the league. It's going to be, I don't know, middle of the pack, maybe even better than that. So that that's a recipe for a playoff team. And then obviously from there, we can go into like whether they're actually a contender or whatever, but there's a whole season to play out between now and, and, and then to, you know, see where they're at come playoffs. In terms of the, you mentioned the goals against, fewest goals against, they were the only team with fewer than 200 goals against in the whole league. I mean, some teams gave up over 300. They gave up 177, which um, was the best by quite a bit. Um, and they're, they were plus 128 uh, goal differential, which is crazy and obviously not going to happen again. But it's kind of funny because we just were going through the whole season kind of just on the ride and I still can't believe they only had 12 losses like that that like 65 wins like you think about oh that's a lot of wins but like when you just look in the loss column and there's only 12 like it's like how did they even manage to only lose 12 games in regulation I, I don't know how I, I just I don't know 